I never know what the sermon tag is going to be. So I watched that first service this morning. I thought, well, that's interesting. <laughs> hey, if you're joining us this morning for the first time, we're glad you're here. If you've been here for a long time, we're glad you're here. I just came from coffee with Chris this morning and got to meet some new folks in our church community and our family and want to welcome them. It's coffee with Chris. I have coffee with Chris every day, obviously, but, but it's an opportunity to get some folks that are, are new to our, our family and are checking us out. And I, we just, I, if you're here for the first time, I just want you to know, or if you're joining us online, we, we're just not a, we're not a high pressure uh, church. I'm not a high pressure pastor in the sense of, you know, we want you to be a part of our family. But that takes time, and you need to kick the tires and, and check under the hood and check us out. Uh, we're very blessed. God has been very gracious to us. We have a great uh, ministry team and office team and facilities team here at First Christian. We've got some late, great leadership. We are in a very healthy place in our church. I'm not bragging. It's by the grace of God to the glory of God. But, but I say that over and over again to people because that's not the case everywhere. Uh, churches are struggling. Pastors are struggling. Uh, we've been blessed. We've got four other guys on the church staff. They all preach well. They love to preach. Mark did a great job last week. He kind of set this series up and didn't even know it. Spirit of God does things like that. So I'm super, super thankful to be here. And again... Being in the room and uh, being led by Dan and, and the worship team this morning, uh, tears just came to my eyes when I, we were singing that song for communion today. What a powerful message. And what a picture that was painted in my head of what it's going to be like. And the way you guys sang out, when I'm up in front and sit up here, I can hear your voices. And it's just amazing. It's just, uh, I mean... Brought me to tears. I, I, I had to go back and get something to drink because I thought I'm going to be emotional today because, I mean, that got me. I mean, just the, even the thought, the, the idea and the concept of worshiping God in heaven is just unbelievable. It blows my mind. It moves me. I hope it moves you. Thank you so much, worship team. So today, I'm going to build on what Mark preached about that he didn't know he was setting me up for, for this next series called Better. And, and today, I just want to say that there are times in my life and probably in your life when you don't like who you are becoming. You ever been there? You've, you've, you, you're trying to serve God, love God, do God's will in your life. And then you do something and you think, who was that and what was that? And, and it brings you to that point where you, you might feel like Christianity isn't working. That transformation process isn't going on the way you want it to. And that old man, that old person that you used to be is catching up with you and you're not living it the way you think it ought to be lived. And a lot of times we have to give ourselves grace or others grace around us because that transformation process, it takes time. You know, the fruit of the Spirit, you know, to get fruit, you have to plant a fruit tree and then it has to grow. And it takes years for that fruit to grow. 
And so sometimes I have unrealistic expectations for people. I have unrealistic expectations for myself, and I end up frustrating myself. And then I don't like who I'm becoming. Maybe you are there. And I just want you to know that if you walk out of this service today feeling a little angst or a little frustrated, it's intentional. I don't do this very often. In fact, I think this is one of the first times I've ever done this. But if you feel incomplete and unfulfilled today, that's okay. Because life doesn't happen in 30-minute or 25-minute or 20-minute message intervals. A lot of times there's some frustration and it might take months, weeks, years to, to get resolution to an issue or a struggle in your life. And so, maybe there won't be some easy answers, but maybe it will encourage you and inspire you to hang in there as the Holy Spirit of God and His grace works inside of you to be better. And you might be saying to yourself, God, why didn't you answer my prayer? Do you even care? Maybe there have been situations in your life, maybe in your relationships, maybe in your expectations, maybe you've lost a loved one or, or someone close to you has died of a disease and you're hurting and broken and I I talk to people that are very very bitter about some circumstances in their lives and and that brokenness is continuing and, and it doesn't seem like God is answering your prayer and I've had those experiences in my own life and what I've come to by God's grace and by his faith is he's not done. He is working. And he's enough. And he draws us in. And for others of us, our lives have been great. It's like that Super Bowl quarterback that has got four or five Super Bowl championship rings on one hand. And, and, and he thought there would be something more and something better. And he says to himself, is this all there is? And maybe in your success, you're not just, you're just not happy. You're just not fulfilled. There's a yearning in your heart, in your life, in your soul, to, to the deep part of your spirit. And you, and you say to yourself, there has to be a better way. Jesus in John chapter 14, we're going to be going there in verse 1. He, I use this a lot of times in funeral messages, but I think it's appropriate to talk about today. Jesus responds to his apostles, and this is the last evening that he has before he goes to the cross to suffer and die for our sins, for our salvation. And he, they know he's going away, and they don't want, for him to go. They want to cling on to him. He's the best thing that has ever happened to them. And he says this to them as an encouragement. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. 
And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, we often talk about the truth of Jesus, but rarely talk about the way of Jesus. Do you know what the Christians were first called in the New Testament? It wasn't Christians. That occurred in Antioch. And that was kind of a disparaging term to mean a little Christ. But, but they were first called, Christians were first called the people of the way. People of the way. You know, you know those weird people, the people of the way? Now, years ago, I won't tell you how long, I blew it in first service. I actually named the date. I was getting my hair cut. Well, you know it was a long time ago. <laughs> I had shoulder-length hair, no lie. I was in a unisex barber. That was kind of a new thing at the time. That means they cut guys' hair, which was predominantly barbershop people, and beautician hair or, or ladies' hair. They cut everybody's hair. It was a unisex thing. It was new back a long time ago. <laughs> and the lady that was cutting my hair at the time was in a cult called The Way. And, uh, we, you know, I was... A young person, high school, college age, and we were talking about it. And, and, and they only believed parts of the Bible, parts only of the New Testament. And it was just kind of a weird hippie group at the time. And I was asking questions because even in the, in the Gospels, there, there were some things that they weren't doing. And there were some things that they were saying that were just way out there. They were a cult. And, and as I look at the New Testament, and as these Jesus followers, these people of the way in that first century, they probably were treated like I treated this lady who was in a cult, even though these were followers of Jesus that were legit. And, and it had radically changed their lives. It was a transformation experience. And... and, and these followers of Jesus, their goal wasn't just right theology. It wasn't just to be correct. Their goal wasn't just strong morality to have boundaries and to follow and to be holy. You see, their goal was to live and to love the way Jesus lived and loved. How radical was that? Because they were following the apostles and the apostles were following Jesus because they experienced Jesus and lived with him and ate with him and slept around him and, and walked with him. They were radically changed by the Spirit of God. And, and this was a radical group of followers. Now I want you to think about the way Jesus lived. Think about the way Jesus lived. And then think about, in contrast, how do most of us live? You see, Jesus' life was full of joy. He ate with sinners like Mark likes to preach about. Ate with sinners. He was joyful. I believe they laughed, they talked, they shared a life together. But our lives are full of stress, aren't they? 
Jesus didn't worry. Well, you say, well, Jesus was the son of God. He was God. Jesus was in the flesh. He didn't worry. And we live in a culture with the most anxious generation, the most depression, the most debilitating, the most worried generation that have ever existed, the most prescribed psychological, whatever, pharmacological, uh, prescription-oriented, drug-oriented culture that we've ever had. Jesus stopped for people and shared with people versus we don't have time for people. Can you imagine? Jesus spent time in prayer and fellowship with his Father. Say, well, he was God, but he set aside time to be in God's presence, to live in his presence. We don't have time to pray or to have fellowship with God, to be, be that, have that moment and allow him to work inside of us. In fact, I, every, I've, you know, I've preached on and off for years, and youth pastoring is, was my best life. Senior pastoring is my second best life. So I encourage our guys on staff, you're living your best life with a senior pastor that was a youth pastor because he understands how your life is. You know, and uh, they are great. But for some people, when they come to worship, this is their most still, quiet moment. And as I preach over the years, I, I see the yawns. I, I know who falls asleep, and, and I know you guys have this television stare, and sometimes you react to me, and sometimes you not. You guys in the balcony, I do see you. I know you exist up there, and you have your own little thing going on, but, but we, you are a part of this family of God, even though we're divided by the great glass sea up there. <laughs> Just so you know. And every once in a while, we'll have somebody fall asleep. And I, that doesn't hurt my feelings because I know that probably they've ran all week. And this is their quiet moment and they fall asleep. And sometimes I play with them. I'll tell a joke or I'll, I'll, I'll do something or I'll say something and just see how they respond. And if they're engaged or not, or probably they're not engaged, but they're tired. But that's a still moment for you all. And that's important that we have those. Now, what if Jesus were like us? What if Jesus were like us? Can you imagine? And I wonder this. As I read the gospel stories and as I have experienced it, I wonder what Jesus would think of the church today and how we live and what we do as we follow him. And, and here's what Jesus did. Jesus walked to where he went. Now, anybody walk very far without a car? Most of us don't. Most of us don't walk. We walk as, as, as far as we have to because we don't want to walk any farther. And he took his time. Can you imagine taking your time? Some of you do. That's just kind of your speed. I'm not making fun of you, but you're a little slower than the rest of us. But some of us, we run everywhere. Jesus never ran anywhere. There's nowhere in Scripture that Jesus ever ran. He wasn't in a hurry. He didn't talk fast. He had time. God has appointed us his time. We have enough time. We are not too busy 
That's self-inflicted. Are we rushing to become someone you don't even like? Is the way you're doing life working for you? Are you becoming who you would like to be? And you might ask the question, well, why, God, is this going on? Why is this happening to me? And some of it, we've got to really, really look at ourselves. We've got to admit that it is self-inflicted. We do more, be more, try more. And sometimes I do that to myself. A lot of times over the younger years, I was very frustrated, didn't meet my own expectations, had unrealistic expectations of my life, of my family members, of my spouse, of everything. And I just got more frustrated, more angry, and more angry. Maybe you're in that cycle that Jesus is calling you back. Is the way you've been doing the work of God destroying the work of God in you? Because he is enough. So the question becomes, if we realize what is going on, so how do we do it? How do we get better? And the world is bombarding us with a way to success. A way to win. A way to get ahead. A way to be happy. If, if you haven't heard this or haven't seen this, just look on any of the social media and they'll tell you a way to win. A, a, a way to success. A way to get ahead. A way to be happy. They'll say, here's five things, here's seven things, here's ten things, here's this one thing you do. And they're just selling you something that will not work. The proverb writer writes it this way. He says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Jesus is radically different. You know what he says? Look at Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30. He says this, come to me. Come to Jesus, all who are labor, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, I've read this passage over and over again all throughout the years. And I've always left wondering, well, Jesus, that just stresses me out. I don't find the rest. Well, here's a different perspective. And then he says, take my yoke upon you. Well, you know, nobody yokes anything anymore. I met somebody who had horses today. But I don't even think they yoke horses unless you've got a wagon. And some of you may have wagons, but most of us don't. Most of us don't aren't familiar with this image that Jesus has given. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And, he says, you will find rest for your souls. Now that sounds really, really good to me, doesn't it to you? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I'm thinking, Jesus, my yoke is heavy and my burden is not light. And I'm stressed out. And then I have to say, so what is yoke? And a yoke is this thing that's made out of wood or made out of iron. You, you Typically, two of the same animals, two donkeys, two horses, two, two oxen, something. And they join together to do work, maybe pull a plow or a wagon or, or a tree chained up to it. And it, it does work. Kind of makes sense. 
But, but you've got to understand what the scripture is saying here. Jesus is inviting us to join him. He is going to be yoked beside you. And Jesus is stronger and better. And he's going to pull for you. Now, a lot of you think that Jesus and God is against you and that he's just there to punish you. And that's not the relationship that God the Father has with us. He loves us. He wants us to have our best life. Our lives may be difficult, but he is for us. And Jesus is saying, hey, I will join when you can't do it. But, but even when you can, I will join and I will walk beside you. I will pull with you as you live life. And, and to be joined to him, I can think of no better way than to be joined with him as we go throughout all our lives. Because in this life, he says, we will have struggle. But never fear because he has overcome the world. He will join you. He will give you rest. He will help you through the stress and the test and the trials of life. So it's not to just believe in his truth, but to live his way. To live like Jesus lived. And next week I'm going to preach about the unhurried rhythms of grace. Doesn't that sound good to you? Unhurried rhythms. I rush through life. I miss moments in my life because I'm hurried. Don't, don't, don't bother me. I'm focused. I'm on a mission. And God is interrupting and saying, no, you need to stop. I need to unhurry myself. And then he talks about unbroken fellowship with the Father. Doesn't that sound good? To live in the presence and have communion with God not only once a week, but all the time, every breath we take, being in the presence of the Holy One of God that is for us, that loves us like crazy. An uncluttered pursuit of God's mission. That we're so connected that we see the interruptions and the trials and, and the uh, brokenness as part of His work inside of us. That that is purposely, intentionally there to be used by him in service for him and his kingdom. They're not, they're holy interruptions, but they're intentional, placed there by God. Because we need undivided attention in the moment. When those occur, we need to stop, take a breath, allow the Spirit of God to work and move in us. And see it for what it is. But if we're in a hurry, if we're too busy, then probably when our, we put our head on the pillow at night and we think that back to that instant, we'll, we'll say, I should have, I wish I would have, instead of, I did it because I knew what was going on. And I saw it for the spiritual reality that it was. And God had a purpose and He has a plan. And as I reflect on my life, and as you reflect on your life, don't you see God's hand in the midst of all of that? There is a better way. The psalm writer in Psalm 23, we believe it's David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. That's what he wants to do. Let him shepherd you. Let him be your shepherd. And then be still. Be still. Do you have moments of stillness in your life, of quiet, holy quiet? They can pause and know that God is there and to know that He is God and you are not. The question is, is the way I've been doing the work of God destroying the work of God in me? That's the question. How would you answer that question today? Over the next few weeks, we're going to answer that question. And hope you'll join us. You allow that to sink in. Because I'd like to be identified as a person of the way that is so different and so winsome because of the work of God and the grace of God and the Spirit of God that people say, I want that. I don't know what that guy's got. I don't know what that lady's got. I don't know what that kid's got. Well, boy, I want some of that because my life is not that. And I need that. I need that for my family. I need that for my kids. That's what you need. And Jesus is calling you to his way. Will you please stand as I pray? Father, we are grateful that sometimes we don't think your yoke is easy, that your burden is life, is light. But Father, that's because we're doing it wrong. It's not out of anxiety. It's not out of hurry that we hear your voice, that we know your presence. It's because we stop in, in the stillness of the moment. And we say, I want your way and not our own way. And I want to be a follower of yours. I want to know your grace. I want to know your spirit. I want you to do that transforming work in me. And Father, I just pray this for your people and for those that would know you as Lord and Savior of their lives that want to be a follower of the way, of his way. I pray that they would make that decision, that they would come forward and know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Father, only you can do that kind of work and we just want to participate in it. And we just give you all the praise and all, all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will you come this morning?